Agency Click presents Everything Film with Film Robot on BNN Bloomberg Radio. Agency Click gives you the chance to sign up and connect with and cast thousands of premier performers, post your casting requests, and confirm bookings. Just go to agencyclick.com. It's Everything Film with Film Robot and your hosts, Joe Leary and Patrick Shelton. Everything Film is supported by Vancouver Young Actors School, the elite training program for young professional actors in Canada. Their team of pros offers the most advanced training for young actors online, VancouverYoungActorsSchool.com, at VYActorSchool on Instagram. It is Everything Film Season 2, Episode 9. That is correct. I'm Joe Leary along with Patrick Shelton. This is presented by Agency Click. And we are broadcasting from our brand new home. This is Studio 4 at Go Studios in Vancouver near Olympic Village. And what a great facility. Just a literal beehive of activity today. And you know what? I can honestly say I'm just totally impressed. And like give out to our hosts that are actually hosting this and uh, our sponsors. And you know what? Vancouver Town. Like this is something to be seen. Absolutely. Come down. Come down here. That's what I'm saying. People got to come down and check it out. Let's welcome our first guest to the brand new home of Everything Film. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Emmanuel Vosier. Welcome. <laughs> Thank Yay. you. Yay! <laughs> now, full disclosure, Emmanuel does it all. We'll talk about that. But um, I spent a, almost a good full day with you recently on a photo shoot for a magazine that, that we were working on. And, um, you know, you've got to be so patient because you're dressed up. You might be pinned back because you're wearing clothes that may not be your own. But what I really liked about you was how you could roll with the punches. And though you were the, the beautiful model for our shots, there's another side to you where you don't mind, you know, p- pulling hay in the barns and getting, getting <laughs> down and dirty. I mean, you, you seem to cover the gamut. What do you enjoy? What are you more comfortable in, in, in fashion wear or in the barns? In the, uh, at the barn. Really? For sure. Yeah, my boots next to my horse, picking up her poo. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's kind of a comfortable admission. That's yeah, probably too much information. <laughs> so, so, but we saw you in all your finery and, you know, when you're being fawned over. And again, that's part of the craft. I mean, you've been around this game enough to, to have access to that. Does that, do you ever grow into that? Does it ever get common or do you always each time go, oh, wow, they're really taking care of this thing? Um, I think that a little bit of both. I mean, it's always like, wow, it takes so many people to really put these things together and have them run smoothly. And then the other part of it is like, I've, I've at this point in my career, I've done it a fair amount of times where it's, you know, it's sort of, uh, it's it's a job. It's part of my job. It's it's something that I'm used to. But it, uh, but it's always, you know, it's always a joy when it runs smoothly because, as you know, so many things can go wrong. <laughs> and when they don't or minimal things, it's like, it's like, wow, this is great. And it's like, you know, what a great job everyone did. And, and you just roll with the punches, you know, it's, it's stuff happens. Yeah. And again, I guess in the business that you're in, uh, you can develop a rep, whether it be good or bad. And you can have people saying, well, you know, this person was a little odd to work with, or this person was a delight. And I guess, obviously, you want to give your best. You expect the best from people around you, but you give your best in return. Absolutely. And yeah. it, was, it was a treat to work with her. She was, she was well, absolutely you know, you know, phenomenal. Oh, you, you were know, talking about me. I was yeah. like, oh, thank I, you. Well, thank I, you. I, <laughs> I, 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 will t- I will touch on the industry and stuff. And you know what? And you've done this. And like, you know, for people that are watching it, like you're a very good looking lady. And it's like, do you think looks matter? Do you think that that's the entry path? And then after that, they go, wow, now you all have skill. Like, like skill, looks, 
all of that stuff, I'm, I'm very curious about how that works, you know, in, in your opinion. I think looks can definitely open doors. Uh, you'll get opportunities because of that. Yeah, um, yeah. But the, the doors will close quickly if you can't back it if up. You can't, yeah, okay, yeah. Or you'll be limited to doing certain things and, and, and your career will kind of take another path. I mean, like, there's the exception to that, obviously, you know, that it, it happens. But um, I think, you know, yes, it definitely helps. Um, well, that's my feeling with you. And I mean, uh, I, I don't want to be out of line saying that. Like, good looking and then you come in and back it up like you're a force as well yeah. right so that like that, that's a threat you know what i mean in, in the entertainment industry um i don't know i mean it's i don't know whether it's a threat i i don't perceive it as a, maybe other people well like good it like i mean threat, when i go threat i mean like a threat to the industry and like positive a positive oh well good. a positive well, threat nice. like you know when they say a triple threat triple when you can threat. do like uh, everything right like, right i feel that right like you have that Oh, oh, well, thank you. I, you know, I, I tried it, you know, I, along the way, I think, you know, when I first started, it opened doors and, and, you know, I, I got better as time went on. I got those opportunities, um, you know, partly because of, uh, the way I looked in some cases. And then, you know, but as the years go on, it's like, sure. if you, if you don't in, improve or, or better yourself, I mean, for me, that was always the goal is just to, to keep getting better and keep learning. And I, I was given opportunities that, that helped me do that. And, and then also the work that I did to, you know, to put myself in that position also back it up. Now, when you were a youngin', was there a person, uh, actor, a performance, a play, something that sort of tweaked that, this is what I want to do, Gene, in Emmanuel Vosier? Yes. I did. Uh, I was the understudy for a, a narrator, an angel who was a, a narrator in the, the Christmas pageant play in second grade. And girl got sick. I I got to you know get up on stage a couple of nights and do my thing. There was like a few little lines or whatever, and I just loved it. And I had the time of my life. And I thought, I want to do this, and this is fun. And and I there was a. Um, Another girl in at my school that was uh, a couple girls that were in the film business that I was like just like wow that's cool I want to do that that and Michael J Fox family so, touch so what, yes <laughs> was it, but when you're on stage as the narrator in the Christmas pageant was it the attention that you derived was it the applause like what was it that you went I got to do more of this they like me they really really <laughs> oh, like thank me you. Um, handling your Sally Beal. <laughs> Uh, I think it was a combination of being, you know, like being able to to stand up there and 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 express myself in in a small way in that particular uh, circumstance. And and yeah, I think as a young kid, like as, as a seven year old, like having people watch you and having attention like that and people applaud and they, I mean, yeah, I think that also obviously d- d- plays a part in it. I but mean, you, over the years, you kind of go, okay, well. <laughs> and you've gone, you've gone through all the experiences and like, you know, to our listeners and people, like you're walking in and you're on like a studio in LA, like, like with a live audience, all those type of things, um, a sitcom person, and you're put in that position and like maybe you could just kind of walk through that experience as like being a young actor and you're like put in that because a lot of people haven't had that experience and they're that's their dream to be part of something like that and what was that like for you the sitcom world yeah when you come in when you come in as a new person and it's like your first time and you you were like in that situation obviously right with more than one show right Okay, so well, I had been in the business for quite some time right. already right. prior to that, but that was the first time I was doing a live audience sitcom right. anything, and um, 
you know, it was season two of Two and a Half Men. I'd seen a couple of billboards around, didn't really know the show. I auditioned for it, got it, and I was like, uh oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is what we kind of want to hear. So, <laughs> so, explain the whole thing. Like, like in your mind, you're walking in and you see it, right? Like, what's happening? Like, the, there's an audience of what? Four rows of people? Like, is it like live? Is it kind of yes. like. Yes. So, we'll, I'll, I'll walk you through, through sort of the, the process <laughs> for the entire week. So, the on the Monday, on, on Two and a Half Men, this was our schedule. And it's t- somewhat typical of uh, a sitcom, depending on what day you start during the week, varies. But we started on Monday. Monday, you'd roll in at like 9 a.m. You'd, you know, go to the craft services table where they have, you know, food and drinks and things and make yourself a coffee, pick up a donut, <laughs> go to <laughs> say hi to people and then walk over to the um, the uh, on the stage. Um, uh, they had a big, long table set up for everybody, you know, with your script and you'd sit down and. And the whole cat, and you'd have a cast read through, and uh, the producers are there, the director, like everyone's there, and um, you know, once that's done, you might have a wardrobe, wardrobe fitting. Uh, later on in the show, that didn't happen so much because they had sort of a set wardrobe for me, and they'd pick up things here and there, but they kind of knew what fit, and mm-hmm. it, I'd throw mm-hmm. something on quickly and be like, "We'd be done." And I go home like ten thirty in the morning, day's done really nice not typical of other film productions okay. Right? Okay. <laughs> and okay. then yep. Tuesdays you'd go in for rehearsal same thing nine in the morning um, and you you go and rehearse on the different sets that you were going to be on and they go through them like scene by scene you get notes um, from the director and then uh, you break for lunch after that the studio comes in all the studio execs um, producers everybody showrunner comes in watches the run through gives the studio notes that night, you get a new script with all the notes incorporated. Next day, same thing, but with the network executives. They all come in. More notes, changes, get a new script that night. The next day was Thursday, and that was pre-shoot day. And anything that wasn't directly in front of the audience, you would pre-shoot. So they, you know, so it wow. might be like a 12-hour wow. uh, shoot day, depending on what you're in. Um, Friday was tape day. So that was, um, you would come in at around noon. You would do uh, like, oh, and during this whole time, like all the lighting and the blocking, um, like the, so the, the blocking for the lighting and the cameras is all done with stand-ins that come in out, that have watched everything be rehearsed and come in after you got, after the cast leaves and work all the cameras and lights and everything out with the stand-ins. If every, anything changes, they come to you and say, hey, you're going to walk over here instead. This is the move, blah, mm-hmm, blah, blah. Mm-hmm, and then you mm-hmm. have that discussion. Friday, you do the camera, like full sort of dress rehearsal without you know your wardrobe. Um, and, uh, and then you break for dinner, I guess, around four-ish, five o'clock. Six, like in, throughout this time, you're getting hair, makeup done and all this stuff. Um, then right at about 6, 6.30, they start loading in the audience. Um, we go in, do a speed through is what it's called. And basically, we're in the hair makeup room. Script supervisor's there with the script. And everybody just bangs, bangs through their lines, like, like the entire show, just to get the lines out. And then it's showtime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, like, so is that, is that one show? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's one, one episode. episode. That's um, so that takes so one episode takes one week, kind of. Yes. That, okay. And then that's, we tape that night, like from seven until we were usually done at nine thirty or ten o'clock at night, which is really good for it. Like I've heard stories of them going till two in the morning. And <laughs> well, I had occasion years ago. I actually saw the taping of Different Strokes with Gary Coleman. Ah. And you were locked in the studio for two of the same episode back to back, and they would edit together the best of both. 
And there was one point where Gary Coleman stopped tape and was having a disagreement, let's say, with the director over the house system. And oh, we're no. going, should we be, you know, <laughs> should we have access to this? It seems kind of a private moment. And the show wasn't funny one time. Imagine sitting through it twice. And when you've got a live audience there, I mean, again, if, was there occasions where you would have to stop and, and sort of redo something with the audience in full view? Oh, all the time. So basically, like, you shoot, it, like, it doesn't run totally, like, from seamlessly from beginning to end. Right. So, like, you shoot scenes, and then they'll, like, cut, and sometimes, like, if a joke didn't land with the audience, and you don't get the laugh, they right. didn't get the laugh that they thought they'd get, then, you know, the huddle of writers comes <laughs> around, and they're like, okay, and, and they start changing jokes. And so you're, they're rewriting on the fly. You've got to sit there, like, and then run it with the script supervisor. Right. And they're like, okay, you ready to go? Go. Okay, good. And then they start, you know, we, we reshoot it, see if we get the laugh. So do they continue? It's a good question because it's like there's so much pressure, and you've done the whole week. So let's say you're in a position and you screw up your line. Do they just keep rolling and say, go again, go again? Is it like a, a very hot seat, or is it like stop, reset? Um, depends what you're doing. If it requires you to reset or if you can just sort of back up and, and do it again. Oftentimes, you know, it, and I was terrified of this because the live audience. That's what I'm saying. You make a mistake, Yeah, but you probably did make a mistake. Oh, all the time. You stuttered. And then what did they do? Um, they're like, okay, pause, back it up. Or sometimes it would cause, like, you would have to reset because there's, you know, action happening that needs to be reset in order for it to happen. But oftentimes, like, I remember saying to Charlie, I'm like, well, what do you do? Like, what a, you know, like, it's a live audience. And I'm like, <laughs> terrified. The first right, he's true. like, relax. He's like, they're not here because they hate the show. They're here because <laughs> they love the show. Yeah, and it's yeah. true. Like, they love it when, you know, when you mess up, everybody's like, they, they laugh. And it's, you know, it's it makes you human. And it's like, yeah, that's what actually happens. We, we're not perfect. Well, so. speaking of reset, we are broadcasting from Studio 4 at Go Studios in Vancouver. Everything film presented by Agency Click on BNN Bloomberg Radio, 1410 AM. One 35 FM HD3 season 2 episode 9 Emmanuel Vogier we know that you are very passionate about animals you have a horse bunny yes and uh, you have a project coming up called Big Sky River that will be seen on the W network in Canada August 12th where it gives you a chance to combine a bit of dish and a bit of that so you get to work with an animal how cool is that do you have your management team sort of scouting out opportunities where you can ride a horse <laughs> they they know they've heard it from me so much that <laughs> i was like finally yeah. somebody listened to me <laughs> no they they know they know that then nothing would make me happier and like um when my agent called me with this, he was giddy with excitement because he knew that, you know, he he was like, oh, she's going to like this. So he was like telling me about it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I get to ride. It's going to be great. And uh, you have started a charitable foundation uh, called the Fluffball, which is you giving to animal causes. Um, how did where did your passion for animals begin? And uh, and when did the Fluffball come into your uh, your purview? Uh, my passion for animals began like when I was a little kid, like from when, you know, when I was probably about four years old, we had dogs and I kept begging my parents that are like, Oh, let's get another puppy and another puppy. That didn't happen, but uh, <laughs> like, no, you're going to take care of the one you got, sure. <laughs> the ones you've got. Um, but always loved animals, always loved horses, always wanted to ride as a kid, rode a little bit as a kid, but then picked it up as an adult. And when it came time to, you know, think about what I wanted to do to give back, animals were sort of a natural progression for me, like or a natural cause to sort of get behind. And in 2010, I um, 
I threw my first fluff ball and uh, and that's where it all started. We've done seven of them, I believe, six or seven of them, I believe, at this point. I can't remember. It's been a couple of years since we threw one, uh, but we're looking forward to, to getting things going again for 2023. So in Big Sky River, uh, you're riding horses? Are yes. you riding Bunny? No. no. <laughs> Bunny's agent didn't sign off on the script? Bunny, yes, Bunny's agent, a.k.a. me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, there's like drones and gators and things like flying around her head. Well, yeah, she'd lose her mind. Um, but <laughs> These are they, we got some really great movie horses. So I, I have a question for you because we know that uh, there's been a lot of attention when you watch like old westerns and stuff, and you see like you know a horse falling over and stuff. We've progressed a lot in terms of the treatment of animals on set, having been firsthand witness. Uh, how carefully monitored is it? I'm guessing extremely. Oh, extreme! At this point, like the the projects that I've been on, where there's horses or animals. Um, it it is extremely like highly monitored uh Danny Virtue was our stunt coordinator who's done a ton of has a massive massive sort of history with uh stunts and animals and all that and he was he was a part of this project and um yeah those horses are well taken care of and kept very very safe but you know it's also educating people on set on like these are large animals that don't mean to do harm but they're big and if they get scared bad things sure. can happen. So, you know, people can get hurt or they can get hurt. So, Well, I um, spent my first time on a horse in uh, Arizona a few years ago, and it, I just feel like a boss when you're just riding those <laughs> things. And I was literally just doing a dusty trail. That's I can only a- imagine the fun you must have with Bunny. Oh, yeah, she's great. Yeah. When you were riding that horse, was Gary Coleman there? Or? No, this, no? Was after, <laughs> this was well past the time of Gary Coleman. Oh, okay. um, so let's t- tell us about Big Sky River. <laughs> tell us about the role you play in Big Sky River, seen on the W Network in Canada. August 12th. Uh, I play Tara Kendall, who's uh, um, from New York, and she loves riding horses and, uh, you know, and spends time doing that with her stepdaughter. And she's going through a nasty divorce and decides to take some time away uh, from from New York City and go back to Montana, where she, parable Montana, um, where she uh, went to summer camp, horse camp as a child. And then, you know. Good things happen there. (laughs) (laughs) Does it have a happy ending? I think so, yeah. Okay. Uh Okay. No one dies. No one dies. Yeah, no one dies. (laughs) Um, Emmanuel Vaugier, it's been an absolute treat to uh, get to know you and spend some time with you, both in the glamour world of uh, of high fashion photography for magazine covers, and uh, just nice to see a a real down-to-earth person that can play those both sides and and come out winning. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So appreciated. Emmanuel Vaugier. Thank you. (laughs) 